What's going on, guys? It's Mike Cerrone from the DC Crossover Podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. <laughs> Can't wait for you to have to edit all this out. Yep. Uh, okay. Oh, Just man. two minutes of you laughing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Holy all right, back in the picture. Damn it. I thought I was going to not have to edit this. It's a clown question, bro. And they're not even called Reese's Pieces. They're called Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. <laughs> they're pieces of Reese's. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. We're talking about practice, man. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We talking about practice, man. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. Hello? You play to win the game. Hello and welcome everybody to the DC crossover right here on iTunes. Google Play Music, and possibly Google Podcasts? Not exactly sure. Uh, <laughs> at one point, it might be on there, but I'm not exactly sure. I am Mike Cerrone with Cerrone and Simpson. Mr. Simpson, who is everywhere, on time, with, with equipment or anything that he needs in hand, he's not here today. So he will be on the phone uh, for the two-point conversion. He's out of town for this week and possibly next week as well. Busy, busy man, Mr. Ben Simpson is. But again, Mike Cerrone on the mic for you guys today. Filling in for Mr. Simpson is Dan Namfa. And Dan, uh, it's gonna, it's good to have you on the podcast, man. I mean, this is your first. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's your first appearance on the podcast. Uh, you do a lot of great articles on the DC crossover, um, but we appreciate you coming on. And and just for everyone out there, this is the DC crossover where we cross over all four major sports uh, in the DC market with the Wizards, the Caps, the Redskins, and the Nats. As the Nats are just finishing their season. We'll get into that uh, in future episodes uh, when Ben is in person. Uh, But at the same time, 
you know, we're getting into mainly the Redskins right now. And also our third segment uh, will be Notes with Noakes. Danny Noakes from down in Richmond, who's plugged into Virginia Tech football, will be on for that segment. And he'll also be on for the rest of the year uh, for the most part. And at the same time, uh, we got a lot of great articles on the DCCrossover.com. But again, follow us on all the social media outlets at the DC Crossover on Twitter, uh, the DC Crossover podcast on Facebook, and also follow DCCrossover.com. But again, welcoming my partner for this episode and for the first segment, Dan Namfa and Dan I tell you, man, talking about the Redskins, uh, this is going to be great to get another perspective uh, from one of our great writers on the DCCrossover.com. And I tell you, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun segment uh, to talk about the Redskins thus far and also previewing the Saints as we have a nice bye week to enjoy some football rather than having the triumphs and jubilations of uh, basically all the emotions that the Redskins give us every single Sunday, man. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something. Watching stress-free <laughs> football is is great. It's yeah. been a great day of football today. Yeah, it's, uh, we it's, got it's a been, lot of extra time. Yeah, man, it's, we got it, a lot it, of overtime. It's, it's been crazy. Yeah, we, the, we just talked about the Browns off air. I mean, we every. I mean, the the Seahawks went in with Janikowski, who is like seventy five years old. Um, oh, it's pretty Janikowski. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's Janikowski. He still has a big boot too. It's pretty crazy. And then obviously, the, as we record this episode, the Steelers and the Ravens. That huge rivalry is on right now, and the Ravens is pummeling the Steelers right now, fourteen to nothing. Only seven minutes in, Mike Tomlin, and they're showing Joey Porter right now, not happy. So that's going to uh, piss off Pittsburgh, especially as it's at Heinz Field. But let's get into the Redskins topics right now, man. Yeah, let's and, get into uh, it. Yeah, let's get let's get right into it and talk about it for this segment. Again, the DC crossover uh, right here on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Google Podcasts, and also at the DCCrossover.com. Mike's own Dan Nanfa on the, for the first segment. Uh, the Redskins thus far. What have we seen? Uh, surprises, concerns, uh, and, and then also we'll get into uh, as well before we get into our preview of what has stood out for surprising players and so on and so forth. So let's talk about what we've seen and, and give some surprises and concerns from your eyes. Well, Mike, one thing I, say, I will say is that this defense looks good, and yeah. I never thought I would say that about the Redskins <laughs> defenses soon, but they, I mean, the young guys have stepped up. That D-line, I mean, Allen, Payne, Ioannidis, those guys are studs up front. I mean, they're oh, yeah. causing all sorts of havoc. I think, you know, then they're young. I mean, Ioannidis, 24, uh, John Allen, I believe John Allen is 23, and Deron Payne, 21. I mean... It's a bright future for that defense. I'm telling you. Um, you know, Quentin Dunbar has been probably the biggest surprise. You know, the he's a play receiver. They always love talking about, oh, yeah, you know, he's the undrafted wide receiver. <laughs> he's making the change to quarterback. It's always one of those, you know, tidbits that you know, the announcers like to throw in there. And he's looking like a very good number two corner opposite Josh Norman. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's got what he had that pick against. Uh, what was it? Yeah, week, I think it yeah, was week one. Week, week one, one, yeah, week yeah. one. He picked off Bradford. He's got four pass defenses, so he's he's looking pretty good. Yeah, and overall, I mean, uh, from what I'm seeing from that defense to go along with what you're saying is, last week me and Ben talked about that being the breakout game against the Pack uh, with those these young guys. I mean, John Allen, uh, one of the local products, Ron Payne, his teammate at Alabama, 
And then Matt Ioannidis, who everyone is now overlooking, uh, who had a great year last year with a club on his hand, basically a big, you yeah. know, a big, you know, you know, honey ham on his arm. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, he's actually playing very well as well. And now he has three sacks. Jonathan Allen had two sacks last game. Deron Payne had his first sack as a as a Washington Redskin. And I tell you, you know, when you're looking at these guys, six sacks. Me and Ben tried to go with 20 sacks over under uh, for the year at the start of the season in our preview. Ooh. And, you know, 20 sacks right now is looking pretty darn good with six sacks through the first three games. I mean, they got 13 games left to get 14 sacks. So, I mean, if they just average one sack a game, basically, you're going to get there. So at the same time, these three are, are just in this 3-4 defense, which I'm not a big fan of the 3-4 defense as a whole, but, I mean, it's working right now with these three young guys. And that's the good thing is, you know, with Preston Smith and basically the the ghost Ryan Kerrigan not doing anything, basically. I mean, he's literally a ghost. He's like Casper out there. He's he's the friendliest ghost you'll ever see. Or not see, I guess you could say. <laughs> but, yeah, he's got, uh, what, one tackle in this year, maybe? Yeah, yeah he, has, he has literally one, ta- one tackle. One freaking tackle. And I think that was a gift because it was probably a typo. I mean, he he's literally not doing anything. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Ryan Kerrigan. He's played for the Redskins. He's loyal to the Redskins, this and that, blah, 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 whatever. But at the same time, you know, year in and year out, yeah, he gets those, you know, consistent, you know, 9, 10, 11 sacks, whatever it may be, and that one or two random, you know, pick sixes that he gets or a fumble, a, pick, a scoop and score or something he randomly gets. But at the same time, you look at it and it's like, you know, with these other guys kind of overshadowing him with John Allen, uh, with Payne, Ioannidis, DJ Swearinger having a great year, and then the emergence of Quentin Dunbar, you look at him and say, is he the best player on this defense anymore? I don't think so. I don't think he is either, but I think Redskins fans are a little bit spoiled with Kerrigan. You know, yeah. he usually starts to get off really hot. We're talking multiple sack games. You know, I think there was, what, two years he started off the first game with a pick six? Uh-huh. Yeah. Something like that. It's uh, so he he might he's thirty now, so he might just be warming up a little. Bit <laughs> and that's the thing too is, uh, you know, you could also compare Ryan Kerrigan as as what I always compare uh, Ryan Zimmerman to the Nats. Uh, you know, now that the the Redskins have one of the best defenses in the league, uh, at least through three weeks. I mean, I think that if they're top half, uh, it's at the end of the year, I think it's going to be a real big win for them. But right now, as what their stats show. You could also say Ryan Kerrigan is kind of like uh, Ryan Zimmerman, where Ryan Zimmerman, he's not a world beater. He averages like the same stats as Ian Desmond for all those Nats fans out there. He averages about 25 to 27 home runs, and then he'll get around 95 RBIs on a rare occasion. Then he really averages around 75 to 80. So, you know, he's basically a good player on a bad team. And that's what I'm looking at Ryan Kerrigan is, you know, you have all this uh, turmoil and everything with Cousins and RG3 and and no, John no. Beck and all these other random quarterbacks, all this, all this random, yeah, all these random guys. Wow, I, I don't even know if John Beck was was the quarterback when Ryan Kerrigan was. Like, who knows? But at the same time, you he might have been. He might have been. It might have been one of his early years. But that's the thing is, when you're looking at him being on the Redskins, they haven't really been good. So that's the thing. You're looking at it, and it's like, okay, he had all these sacks and whatnot, but it really was for a bad team. So it's you know, when you're looking at it now, they have a good team. 
obviously, you know, or a better team, I should say, when you see DJ Swearinger playing at the top of his game and Zach Brown they signed and, and Monte Nicholson coming into his own at the safety spot, I just think that there's more talent and there's more playmakers on the defense where people are overshadowing Ryan Kerrigan because he's not really doing anything and all these other guys are emerging. A concern for me, honestly, is Josh Doxson. Josh Doxson has been... It's a non-factor, basically, since he's been drafted. You know, I don't think that he's our number one receiver for the future. Oh, yeah. uh, I think the coaches are starting to see that. I mean, again, you know, he was a first-round draft pick, so you gotta, you have to see out your investment. But I, I'm looking at his numbers, and nothing, nothing jumps out at me. Yeah. Not at like what he had. Nope. He put up a goose egg. <laughs> such he a put up a goose egg last week. I thought he was. <laughs> listen, I thought he was hurt. He put up a goose egg. Nothing. Yeah, you, that's the funny thing is that you're sitting there and you're actually like, oh yeah, he did. Re- oh, oh wait, never mind. He didn't do anything. <laughs> he didn't do a single thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has five catches for 48 freaking yards, and they spent a first round draft pick on him. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he was a pretty dynamic player at TCU. This and that, whatever it may be. But at the same time, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, so yeah, it's been a couple years, this and that. Okay, it's, I mean, look, if you think about it, you know, Vernon Davis, who's our second tight end, who's still a receiving threat, don't get me wrong. Second tight end has more yardage than our number one wide receiver through three weeks. And that's, I mean, you can't have five catches in three weeks. I mean, five catches. You're not even averaging two catches a, a, a game. I mean, geez, I could, I could go out there right now, do a stick route, and catch a ball. I mean, come on now. You got to do something better than that. Uh, you might have better hands than Josh Dawson. Oh, I do. I know I do, Dan. <laughs> I know I do. But really, when you're looking at it, any surprising players that really are, you think uh, through three weeks are going to be the catalyst uh, to propel this team forward, especially going into a New Orleans Saints game, which we will get into in just a minute. Uh, for me, you know, the cat. Adelix is really Chris Thompson. Uh, yeah. Chris Thompson is the probably the best pass catcher. He might actually be the best pass catcher we have. Yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah, he, was the same, he was the same way at he's Florida State, quiet. too, man. Same way at Florida State. He was, I mean, That's why they drafted yeah. him. Is he, he's he's just, just a dynamic player out of the backfield. And, I mean, if, if he catches 10 balls a game, that's obviously not what you want to lean on. But at the same time, if it produces, then you might as well keep doing it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's... He's a guy that he's a home run threat at any time. You know, you can ball last and go for 65 yards to the house. You know, we, we saw a lot last year. You know, we didn't see it a whole lot last week, uh, but that's because we were running the ball so well and we didn't really need him. But those are surprising players and surprises slash concerns uh, as a whole of this Redskins team. Uh, into their bye week, uh, week three. Again, this is the DC Crossover. Dan Namfa, one of our great writers for the DCCrossover.com, is on with me for this Redskins segment. As Ben, uh, Mr. Simpson, is not here, uh, but he will be on the phone as he is out of town. He'll be on the phone for our two-point conversion coming up next. But, Dan, let's end the segment with our Redskins preview. This is their bye week. Me and Ben got into it a little bit last week. And uh, overall, uh, we talked a little bit about what they should uh, I, I guess adjust or prepare for through this extra week of preparation. Uh, but w- really, let's let's talk about the Saints real quick as they came out with a victory today against the G-Men. Uh, but what the, what do the Saints bring to the table? What's their M.O. for their offense and their defense? Well, you know, everyone says, you know, the Saints have a great passing attack. The Saints have a great passing attack. You know, Drew Brees can air it out. Yeah. Well, to me, what they've been doing this year is they've been really running the ball. They've They've got who? Kamara here. 
Yeah. And oh, next week, Mark Ingram comes back. So they're going to have that one-two punch in the backfield that is just absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I mean, you have, you know, the workhorse in in Gr- Ingram. He's got uh, no stats this year, actually. I, I forgot he was just suspended. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Kamara had himself a date today. Yeah. Did you see the stat line? Oh, yeah. I saw it. Yeah, he had that big, long touchdown that actually secured the game for them. Yeah, he uh, 134 yards, uh, three touchdowns. It's not too bad, know. I guess, right? <laughs> Sounds, I, I, I guess he's good. <laughs> I guess he's an all right guy. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, he's, yeah, uh, I mean, their MO, for me at least, uh, with you saying that you're surprised with their running game, obviously their passing game is on point, just like you said, uh, prior to this past week. Um, they were actually, actually, no, including this past week, they were third in passing yards um, with 345 per game and fourth overall with uh, total yardage and 428 per game, which is pretty damn good. But their rushing yardage, it went up from last week. Obviously, we're early in the season, so it's a little bit different because of the sole fact that, hey, when you look at the stats, uh, they're very skewed because one game could be a totally difference maker, a uh, total difference maker, excuse me, for stats as a whole. Uh, but, I mean, they went up from 55 yards a game last week to now their average is 82 yards a game uh, for rushing mm-hmm. attack. But uh, still low, obviously, but... That's what you said. Their their rush attack was increased this week, and with Mark Ingram coming back, he's a definite upgrade from Mike Gillisley, their second uh, running back right now. And absolutely, over, yeah. And overall, I think that when you're looking at their mo, from my mind, I think it's it's all about Alvin Kamara. I mean, yes, you 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 have the dynamic receiver in Michael Thomas. Don't get me wrong; he's 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 basically setting marks left and right every single week. But at the same time. Alvin Kamara is, is is their leader. I mean, he has 37 attempts but, uh, on the ground, but he has 30 receptions. I mean, he has 30, he has more receptions than 90% of the receivers in the league right now, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, it literally, he's, he's just a monster. 30 receptions for 289 yards. He's averaging 9.6 per catch, uh, which, which is r- remarkable for a guy with 30 receptions already. But uh, what my adjustment is, uh, for for everyone to think about out there, it's for the Redskins to have their pass rushers up front, but make sure you get enough pressure and contain. Uh, because if you can squeeze the pocket a little bit together, like we saw at the end of last week against the Pack, uh, Drew Brees is not that type of runner like Aaron Rodgers is. So he's a pocket presence. So if you think about it and you squeeze the pocket a little bit more, shrink it down, which Deron Payne can easily do. Jonathan Allen with his moves and Matt Ioannidis with his power, they, they can easily shrink that pocket to the point where Drew Brees has to stay in the pocket and look for somebody downfield. But with the receivers at the Saints lack, I mean, think about it. Ted Ginn, Ben Watson, I mean, those are their two other top pass catchers, and they have 12 catches through four games. That's three catches a, a game. Don't get me wrong. They can literally be long catches or just make their own impact. But Ted Ginn, not a player he once was coming out of college. Benjamin Watson, definitely not as good as he was uh, back three, four years ago. So when you're looking at it overall, I think uh, if you can limit Michael Thomas in the back uh, side with two single high safeties, I think the cover two defense, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, with all your linebackers, except for maybe Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan rushing as well from the outsides and containing, I think that overall, if you have Mason Foster either shadow Kamara because he's the fastest linebacker we have, 
or have him, uh, or excuse me, uh, Zach Brown. Uh, if Mason Foster and Zach Brown also want to do a zone over the middle where you're basically limiting Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield, I think that could work out to, uh, really to your advantage. And then also have Josh Norman follow around Michael Thomas and have DJ Swearinger over the top. So what do you think about that? Possibly doing a cover two defense and trying to match up one-on-one Norman on Thomas and then Br- Zach Brown on Alvin Kamara. I completely agree. I think the cover two is probably the best way to stop the, you know, Michael Thomas over the top. Uh, as far as Alvin Kamara, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I think Zach Brown, anytime Kamara's on the field, Zach Brown should be shadowing him. He's our fastest linebacker. He's a tackling machine. Uh-huh. I mean, he's just been he's been playing like a man possessed this year. He got paid, so yeah. And, that, and that's you know. the thing too is what I'm talking about is Zach Brown is not a zone or he's not a a. a, a I guess you could say a, a pass defender. That's that's where I'm looking for. Is he's not a pass yeah. defender to the point where he's not going to be good in coverage. And that's the thing is what I'm saying is like give him some space. Maybe give four or five yards off the line of scrimmage. But if you see Kamara go in motion, you go in motion. If if you see Kamara, uh, you know, coming out of the backfield and doing a in the flat route or or even just doing a a, a little crosser in the middle or he goes out or like whatever it is. Make sure you have him every single time. Or even if you have DJ Swearinger over the top trying to cover Michael Thomas's side, then have Monte Nicholson drop down next to the line of scrimmage. He's faster and he's better in covers than Zach Brown. He's, and it, that's just how it is. So I, I think overall you have to game plan for these two main guys because if Ted Gid beats you, Hey, fine by me. Go ahead and beat me, Ted Ginn. I don't. I don't trust you with, with if my. If he beats us, yeah, I don't trust him with my life at all, dude. So it's yeah. like I don't. I don't care if this guy has twelve catches. If he has three catches and two touchdowns, fine by me. But if I limit their best two options and they beat it, me, then what else is there to say? Nothing. If <laughs> if you let Ted Ginn beat you, then you deserve to lose. I mean, he is. You know, 33 years old. He knows how to run in a straight line. That I mean, that's he's a one trick pony. <laughs> that's uh, that's like that's like 50. I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, like everyone knows how to run in a straight yeah. line. Like if, that, and, and if you have speed, then they, they try to pick you up for a wide receiver. I mean, look at look at a lot of these guys, especially on the Steelers. They had like two or three of those over the past few years. But that's the thing, man. I just think that when you're looking at it. I think our defense, you know, Ravens it, it, have one too. John yeah, Brown, exactly, exactly. He, for Arizona, he did it for so long too. It's just when you when you look at certain teams uh, and their mo. I think the, the Saints, they're good, but at the same time, I think they can easily be stopped if you have the type of people like a Josh Norman, like the Giants. They don't have the, the players like the Redskins do on defense. They're they're not as young. They're not as fast. I I believe. I mean, they have Landon Collins over the top and all that kind of stuff, but. Can you really stop Kamara on the ground? I think we have a better defensive line than they do. They lost JPP last year and so on and so forth to the point where you think about the Redskins' defense and you compare it to the Giants, I think we're better. And that's why you see the Giants keep losing. The Redskins keep winning for the most part. And that's why I think that you look at our linebacking core, Mason Foster, not the best linebacker, but very intelligent. Uh, Zach Brown, very athletic, not very intelligent. <laughs> but at the same time, you're looking at it and saying our secondary is well, good. They as well. won't let him call the plays. Exactly. Well, that's why I said it. <laughs> they won't let him have that mic behind his, uh, in his headset because he's just not that smart. Uh, but he can play. That's a hell of a hell of a player right there who, who can't really call plays but i think with dj swearing he can play yeah he can run and he can tackle exactly and if he can do that at the at the highest level then you might as well sign him but at, at, what i'm saying is if dj swearinger is over the top 
and you have Josh Norman. Literally, and they said they don't want Josh Norman doing this. They don't want Josh Norman doing that. Like, they said that the past couple years. Okay, if he is a zone corner, then make sure he's following, literally following Michael Thomas everywhere he goes, playing zone. I don't care what it is. Have have that zone be, you know, focused on him. If you're going to do a cover three, have all that cover three defense be focused on Michael Thomas' side. Flip the play if you need to, whatever it may be. You, you have to limit him to, I think, maybe five catches and 60 yards. I don't care if he gets a touchdown, but you have to limit him to under 75 yards if, if, you, if you have a good shot at winning this ballgame. Because if it's a shootout, you know, the Redskins could probably come back. But I don't think, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be – I mean, because they've been coming from behind with the Colts the entire game, and that sucked. But if they're ahead, then oh. I, I think they have a good shot. But the Saints' defense, it's, it's not that great. I mean, they're okay. Uh, and they're they're kind of mediocre, so I think overall it's it's not going to be you know too bad on the offensive side. But I think, like you say, Chris Thompson is a big part of this uh, a big part of this offense. And I think overall you have to get uh, somebody else to make a big play, like Paul Richardson did last week. So I mean, let's talk real quick about what the Redskins need to do on offense. What do you think? Oh, that's, I mean, the game plan's simple: run the rock. Yeah, you got to use you got to use Adrian Peterson and just have him hammer it in there. You know, uh, it's the more time Redskins office spends on the field, the less time Drew Brees does. So, I mean, like you were saying earlier, you know, we got to make Brees uncomfortable. We can't let him get to a rhythm. Oh, yeah. He'll he'll pick he'll pick the defense apart. But going back to what the Redskins need to do on offense, I think we need to continue to spread it out. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can't just keep targeting uh, uh, Jordan Reed. We can't just keep targeting Chris Thompson. You know, everyone needs to get involved because, to be honest, we don't really have that much. We don't have a number one weapon, so we have to use what we, you know. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is uh, going along with what you said. I mean, Adrian Peterson. I think Ben is in love with Adrian Peterson. I don't know why, but oh, he absolutely. He, is. He, I mean, I, trust me. I love Adrian Peterson. I, I loved him in Minnesota and all this. And last year was kind of a debacle, but I mean. Ben, every single time we bring up the Redskins, Ben has to lead, literally has to lead with Adrian Peterson every time. And I, I said it myself. When we did our predictions, I said, I believe with my with my head, or, or what was it, my heart? I forgot what it was. I think it was my, my heart said, I think he's going to run for 1,100 yards. But my head said, okay, maybe 850, 900, something like that. But I'm going with my head, man, or my heart. I don't even know which one. I, I'm keeping confusing myself. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I said 1,100 yards because of what I saw in week one. And now what we've seen in week three, I mean, literally, he's averaging 4.2 yards per attempt. Three touchdowns. Who cares about the TDs? As long as we're scoring, that's all that matters. But at the same time, I mean, 236 yards through three. I mean, he had a dud game. What was it, 21 yards or some crap against the Colts? I mean, so far, he's averaging literally between the two big games, he's averaging over 100 yards. So, I mean, you can't ask for anything else uh, other than, hey, if, you, if you're going to be that old, <laughs> at what, 32 years old, and run the rock that well, we'll, we'll take it, right? I mean, that's, that's what you said. Lean on Adrian Peterson to run the rock, keep Drew Brees off the field, and then hopefully get Jordan Reed, Chris Thompson uh, in there and try to extend the drives because that's what we saw a lot uh, from last week as well. Aaron Rodgers was not on the football field. And, you know, if, if you have someone like an Aaron Rodgers not on the field to kill you, then I think overall it's going to be going to be a pretty damn good game for you because, you know, if you limit the attempts and everything like that, that a lot of these people have because last week the time of possession was 
heavily favored for the Redskins. And that's one big thing. I thought that that's why the Redskins won overall. Yeah, no, I agree completely. You know, it's I'm looking here at Adrian Peterson. He's averaging 5.5 yards a touch. Yeah. yeah that's pretty good for a 33-year-old yeah. running back. Yeah. 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 And right here, Chris Thompson, 6.8. Not bad. Can't, Not I mean, at all. You, you, you can't you can't beat that, right? I mean, that's that's the biggest thing is that when you're looking at the two running back situations, I mean, Darius Geis, we thought he was going to be in here, and now all of a sudden we have to change. I mean, in that in the past, that has not helped us. Trust me, in the past, that's really screwed us over. Uh, trying to ch- make a change on on the fly, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we lost this big guy. You know, now we got to go to this rando off the street and see how he does, and it just doesn't, doesn't work. And that's the thing is now, somehow, it's worked. <laughs> and we got lucky as hell that it's, it's working. <laughs> it's the genius of Jay Gruden. Oh, yeah, the genius of Jay. Jay Gruden did everything. That's right. <laughs> He's, he did everything in Cincinnati. That's true. He did. He did. Hugh Jackson he did. Was, a, was a little bit a part of that, but at the same time, I totally agree oh, with you there. I don't know how much Hugh Jackson was really a part of that. Oh, <laughs> You know how we were just talking about uh, receivers who can run really fast and get under those deep balls? Yep. John Brown. John there Brown. you go for the Ravens. Just got a, a huge play. I hate the Ravens, though, by the way. I, uh, I, I'm not a big Ravens guy. Oh, they got it on my boy Terrell Edmonds. Oh, that sucks. Man. See, this is how our podcast goes. We're watching a game, and we just don't care. Wow, the double move. Oh. Damn, and Edmonds, he's not, he doesn't fall You hate to see oh. that. You know, I'm, oh. as, a, as, a, oh. as a fellow Hokie, you hate to see that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He caught him, though. That's a good thing. He caught him. That, is, that is a good thing. <laughs> That's Lamar, a good thing. Uh, now Lamar Jackson Lamar is somehow in the ballgame. <laughs> this league is just crazy. But, again, we're laughing at this game now because we don't have the Redskins game to watch out for. That's a good thing. But, yeah, um, that'll be – this will be – like, this is not – Gonna, this is not going to happen next week. It's going to be stressful next week. I oh, know yeah. it. I know it. I, I remember that game. That game, we were like down 15. Yeah. 15 points. There's like maybe eight minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, lost, that was a we, bad game, man. That was a game we lost Chris Thompson. Yeah. That was, that, that was, that was rough. But I mean, the, 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 the this, I can't even talk about it. I was going to say the series, but the Nats series is over. Uh, the season to come. Uh, they, they play New Orleans. This is a big stretch. They're home for two games against Carolina, Cam Newton, and the struggling Cowboys off. I mean, the Cowboys had a decent game today, but, they, again, they didn't play a great defense in Detroit. But, I mean, sure didn't. I mean my, my God, the Dallas's offense just sucks, man. Like, I don't get it. Like, how, do they, how are they that bad? I mean, Prescott finally Back. threw for over 200 yards. He finally did. But they finally got a running game with Zeke. And they got a decent game out of Prescott. So, I mean, overall, uh, you can't really take that for what it's worth because so far they've they haven't really played uh, too well. I mean, they had a I mean, look at their lead. They had a, a thirty point uh, thirty to ten lead, and they still at the same time they they almost let that slide. So when you're looking at it, it's definitely something you got to watch out for for the Cowboys. But you never know when it's a, when it's a rivalry game like that, and it comes down to it. Uh, that game will, uh, will will be very interesting to see um, in the next few weeks. But let's give our quick predictions uh, and end this segment here, Dan. Uh, Dan Namfa, again, one of our writers for the DC Crossover, on the phone with me right now. Uh, but, Dan, let's talk about our predictions and give a score prediction and what we think. And if it's a loss, then you can say that because this is, again, this is the DC crossover where we have a more casual, diehard, sometime 
sometimes die hard, I guess you could say, fan perspective. So if you have uh, a loss on your mind, then speak your mind, man. This is this is the free forum here. So go for it. Let me hear what your prediction is for this coming Sunday. Or Monday, I should say. It's a Monday night game. You told me that earlier. Prime time. I totally forgot it. Yeah, prime time. Damn straight. Let's do it. And I think I think it being in prime time on Monday night really changes my. All prediction. right, it's going to be a loss for the Redskins. All right, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is. It is. I think it's going to be a loss. I think it's going to be a 31 loss. Uh, I think that Kamara's going to do what he does and run all over the place. Um, I think Alex Smith will have. He will be par for the course. He'll probably have two hundred fifty yards, maybe two touchdowns. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just being realistic. <laughs> hey, optimistically, I would just say, you know, hey, I would love to win by 28 points, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, totally, I, I mean, not to interrupt you, but I totally, I totally understand what you're saying, dude. It's like, you know, in prime time, you never know. But I think it's going to be a little surpriser with with New Orleans not really dominating uh, New York uh, from what I thought. I mean, you're you're in this situation where, yes, you're in a dome. You're in New Orleans. You know, uh, you have perfect conditions. Uh, Monday nights, you got an extra day to prepare. Actually, an extra, I guess you could say an extra week to prepare, honestly. Uh, but you look at all the stuff that the Redskins could be doing positively this this week as a whole. I think I think we're going to come out with a W, man. And, I, and that's not a homer's prediction because, honestly, to, to me, I think the next four games before the November November 4th game, it's kind of hard to say that, uh, (laughs) uh, against Atlanta, I think we have a good shot to win four straight, man. And I'm just saying that optimistically because Carolina with Greg Olson's injury, which I think was a godsend for the the, the Redskins because everyone that's a tight end or at least has the TE next to their name in a stat sheet uh, will kill the Redskins. So (laughs) I think uh, after this game, I think with the next three games against, you know, the Giants that have been struggling and then the Cowboys who hardly can throw over 250 yards and against the secondary, uh, the Redskins, that might be difficult as well. And Carolina coming to Washington, uh, you know, you have to obviously look at Cam Newton. But, again, I think going along with the New Orleans game, I think with the perfect conditions, the time you got to prepare, go out there and literally for the first, I would say, first eight minutes, get a sense of what New Orleans is trying to do and then just go ram it down their throats with AP. I mean, overall, I think it's going to be a nice victory. I think I'm going to go with this, okay? Listen here. I'm going to go with 27 the 23 Redskins. I think it's, oh, wow. it's going to be, I think Drew Brees is going to get maybe three touchdowns or maybe two touchdowns and then a few field goals. But I think if we bend and not break, then it might be a, a, a good thing for our team as a whole because if you can hold them to field goals, I think uh, we can easily match the field goals. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if we're going to be able to score as many touchdowns, but with the struggling defense of New Orleans, now I don't know how much uh, they're or how good they're doing this year as a whole, but I can assume <laughs> I can assume they're not the best defense as they are every single year. But in my mind, I think 27-23 Redskins W for Monday Night Football on primetime. So, you got any thoughts on what I just said, man? <laughs> yeah. Asking about uh, the Saints here, it, it looks like they've fallen back to their old ways. Points four, they're third in the league. Points against, dead last. Yeah. I mean, it's when you have no defense. I mean, 
it's tough. You're going to have to score points. <laughs> that, that's the easiest thing to say, right? It's tough. You know, it's it's, it tough. it's it's tough when you have one of the Hall of Fame quarterback who has no defense right. for, you know, the last six years. Yeah, I don't get how teams do that, by the way. I don't understand how teams ask literally the ha- ask the Packers. You know, it's like I don't understand how certain teams literally if Aaron Rodgers had a defense that was top 10. Uh, at least or even top 15 maybe the Packers I mean if they're top 15 or top 16 whatever the halfway point is I I I would be very surprised if they are in that the last five years but you know looking at it it's like if you put Aaron Rodgers on the Ravens per chance uh, or per se they would win Super Bowls (laughs) I mean it's like yeah he makes he makes guys uh, you know, better than who they are, just like Tom Brady does. I mean, th- you, you see these teams that just don't build defenses. If you got a quarterback, you don't have to worry about anything. But there's like, I, I like the Packers and the Saints, like they're so content on winning 10, 11, maybe even 12 games at some point. When the Patriots, they, they go out and they sign Patrick Chung's, they go out and sign, uh, you know, Malcolm Butler's and and these type of guys, and they, they develop them, and they make sure they, 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 they hit on all these. And then again, they do have a lot more draft picks. But at the same time, it's like, true. come on. Like, the, the, the Steelers, they had Big Bang and Antonio Brown. But, and then Le'Veon Bell, he's probably going to be going to the Jets or something soon. But at the same time, it's like, why do they always let these people just, like, waste their careers away? I mean, I just don't get it. Like, build something. Like, trade for someone. I mean, come on, like, like what the hell, man? Like, it, it makes zero sense. I mean, you see the Bears trying to do it right now. The Bears have Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, he's an okay quarterback. Not the best, but he's not terrible. I mean, second year. But they went out and got Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is already making them a hell of a lot better on the defensive end. So, I mean, dude, I mean, obviously I've gone on a tangent here. But it's like, do you see the same thing I'm seeing where these teams with these good quarterbacks – uh, have a gr- have a terrible defense, and the teams with terrible quarterbacks have great defenses. Like I don't, I've, I just don't get it. Is is that a trend or something? Hey, you know what? It must be because you're looking at these teams like Jacksonville, who they just they sold out for their defense. They went all yeah. in on defense. I mean, they've got Ramsey, they got uh, AJ Bowie, they've got uh, Clay Campbell, yeah. Malik Jackson. I mean, the the list goes on and on. And actually, you know what? Bortles isn't that bad of a quarterback. I think he gets a bad rap. I think he's a good quarterback. You saw what he did to New England the other week. Yeah, I think I think Bortles overall. I think Bortles is a. Uh, I would say he's an average quarterback. I don't think he does anything special, but he can with his legs. But I think he's just. I think to me. Uh, my only big downfall for him is his accuracy. I think his accuracy kind of blows. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, he can, he can have those type of games, like you just mentioned, where he goes out there and just lights the defense on fire. And that also helps, too. If your defense is that confident, then you can be confident as well. And I think, you know, they signed, they signed him, so they got him a little more confidence in that area. But at the same time, you never know. I mean, that's I just think that that trend is just terrible. And, you know, teams that just waste. I mean, because I think I'm saying that because the Redskins as a whole, I think that their want and need of a quarterback and with, you know, the Cousins drama. And then all of a sudden now you got Alex Smith. I just think they want a quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers that they're going to have for a decade, you know, or, or something like that. Like we just we just haven't had that in forever, literally forever. And then all of a sudden you see all these teams do that and then their defense sucks and then they take it for granted because they're, oh, well, we have Aaron Rodgers, you know, or we have a great defense. We'll win, you know, 10 games, make the playoffs, then come out and then the Patriots will go and win. It's just like that's what they I, I think that these teams just are content. I just don't get it. Like 
the Steelers are finally doing something, but Big Ben is basically going to go out. <laughs> he's only, he's, he he's can retire in a year. Exactly. He's contemplated retiring for so damn long now where it's like any day now he'll say, oh, I'm, I'm done. But it's like, I just think that it's just kind of a waste. You know, the NFL today, like, you could have these dominant teams that could beat the Patriots, but at the same time, they just don't seem to make moves or do anything to the point where that's why you're looking at the, the Cousins drama. That's one reason the Redskins didn't want to sign Cousins because they didn't want to be handcuffed to a guy that's good, not great, but they didn't want to handcuff themselves with that 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 contract, which I agreed with. I didn't think they should pay him that much, but at the same time, I just think that, you know, the NFL is just being wasted away because they could have they could have the plethora of teams, you know, out there that could beat the beat the, the Patriots, excuse me, and make it. But you see, Tom Brady. Don't get me wrong; he's great, but I just think it's kind of a waste, you know. Tom Brady doesn't. Work. He's he's been taking pay cuts since yeah. basically forever. Exactly, and they, they still won't build a team around him. He has no weapons. Yeah, and that, but but well, I guess he's got Josh Gordon. But well, like, that's he's the still th- but the that's offense. the thing though, dude. Is that that he's taking those pay cuts, and you saw Peyton do that as well. And look at Peyton. He goes out and. Then again, it's Peyton Manning, who I think is the best quarterback for all time, personally, but that's another discussion. I think that when you're looking at it, it's just these guys take pay cuts, and then all of a sudden they build teams around them, certain teams or whatever. I mean, Peyton didn't have a defense for so damn long, but that's that's just his greatness. But at the same time, it's like you take those pay cuts or whatever. That's why I think Kirk Cousins like, okay, you want to get the money and you want to set yourself up, but don't you want to play the game to win? I mean, the Herm Edwards saying in our intro is basically you you, you play to win the game. You don't. I mean, that's that's why I think that this NFL in today's age. And I know we we're supposed to talk about the Redskins but we're getting a totally different topic here so we'll end it here soon but and mainly do do because of my uh, talking tendencies i guess you could say but at the same time (laughs) it's like you just look at it and i think that that's the biggest difference you know and they took because they talk about all these sack rules and all this crap now the biggest difference is the sole fact that back in the day people wanted rings people wanted to play for those championships now everyone's paying for money and that because because the money's so so grand and that's just, I just think that it's just it's just kind of a waste. And you know we love watching the NFL, so the product's never going to dilute. But at the same time, the, the 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 teams that just don't basically just don't give a crap are, are really kind of wasting the, wasting these these quarterbacks' careers. One thing I wanted to add: you mentioned Kirk Cousins. I don't. I do not believe he's worth his contract. No at way, all. No way. No way. Not at all. And he, he Scott McLuhan said it best. He's like, I'm not going to leverage the future of a franchise for one. He basically said he sucks, but he said for one okay quarterback. Oh, he yeah. was seen as average. I mean, people might see Alex Smith as average, but he's cheaper than Kirk. Yeah. And we were, we're able to build. We have we have some cap room to sign people. We went out, we signed Paul Richardson. You know, we signed AP, although that's a different story. He was dirt but, cheap. <laughs> yeah. Dirt, um, you, still, you still have room to sign people. That's basically what you're getting at, though. Yeah, we, we, we have that cap flexibility. We're not, you know, hammered down with this $20, 30000000 million contract. Oh, yeah. That's that's yeah. the biggest thing to me is that, you know, when you're looking at some of these teams that don't pay for quarterbacks, yes, you can suffer, but you can go out and get like an Alex Smith, you know, who is durable and can get you, you know, to the, to the playoffs almost every single year. Might not give you, you know, spectacular stats, but at the same time, he's going to make you a better football team as a whole. And that's the thing is that you ask, like, like you said, you also have room to sign these other guys that can hopefully build around your football club. But 
I don't know. That, that's another topic for another day, and I hope Ben is here for when we get into a topic like that because, I mean, it's it's definitely something that I like to hear his take on as well and have a little, you know, triangle discussion between us three. But anyways, man, you're calling for a loss uh, next week being a realist. I'm trying to be a quote-unquote homer, but at the same time, I still believe this <laughs> with, a, with a W. But, hey, man, it, it, it's a good first appearance for you right here on the DC Crossover Podcast. Uh, I mean, did you have did you have some fun? Did you enjoy it? Oh, no, I've had a great time here, and currently my room, so my roommate is a Pittsburgh fan. He's watching this game downstairs, just screaming at the TV. <laughs> I can just, I can just hear all his screams every time. I know exactly what's going on. Uh, no, so this has been, this has been great. Um, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on. Uh, one last thing I did want to mention. It. You said you, you talked about these guys taking pay cuts. Me, personally, I'm for the players. I'm very pro Le'Veon right now. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I think that you got to pay the guy. He's worth it, but you got to be, be worth it. That's the, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, this is true. This is very true. But then again, you know, these guys are playing a dangerous game. You know, oh, yeah. their career can be over. Anybody. I don't know if you saw Earl Thomas today, broke his leg. Yeah. Broke his leg and he didn't want to be there. He wanted to get paid. Seattle wouldn't pay him. I think he's done. Yeah. Who's, who's going to pay him now? I mean, if it, if, yeah. his, if his season's over, then, you know, next year he's a year old. I mean, look at Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor, another Hokie, shout out. But at the same time, it's like he, he had to he had to end his career because he's like, you know, the injuries and all this kind of stuff. I, I just, he can't do it anymore. And it's just like. Yeah, it's not safe. And, and, and that's, that's another reason. Don't get me wrong. I'm for players as well getting what they're worth. But at the same time, it's like when these some of these guys are saying, oh, I want 30 million. Well, we're going to offer you up to, you know, say 27 million. I'm just throwing out numbers. Like, no, I don't want that. Like. 27 million is going to give you a lot of stuff you know it's like that's going to that's, that's going to set up your your generations and all that stuff i don't think three million is really going to be that taxing on you but that's the only like basically the only uh i guess you could say um gripe that i have with the players but at the same time get what with get what you're worth when you can and that's that's why I, i'm pro Be- uh, Le'Veon bell right now too because he's done this a few years now and he still comes back out and plays and he's finally doing something and look at the steelers the steelers basically just said Nah, you're not worth it. And now look at him. If he was in the game right now, I'm sure, I'm sure it would be a much closer game against the Ravens right now if he was in the ball game. They could, they could even be leading. You know who knows? They could really use a, a running back that can run into the middle, the outside. James Conner. James Conner's not a, not a bad running back, but he ain't no Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is a top sure three running back. I mean, he's a top three running back in this league. And Juju Smith-Schuster ain't gonna do you know everything Oof. for your team. Uh, with Antonio Brown on the outsides. I mean, Big Ben, he's a slow, slow elephant out there. And <laughs> overall, you know, he ain't, he ain't going to be what he used to be five years ago and ten years ago and all this different type of stuff when he was going to the Super Bowl and doing all this stuff. They're, they're, they're saying that they can beat the Patriots, but right now, without Le'Veon Bell, I don't know if that's possible. but Not this team. Yeah. I don't think they could beat them. Well, I don't think they can beat them with Le'Veon Bell either. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think so either. But at the same time, it's like that would give them a better shot, obviously. You know? Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's just crazy, man. But we'll we'll try to get back into these other topics uh, possibly next week with uh, Ben's uh, question, uh, in question, basically, of his appearance. Uh, we'll see um, what happens. But, again, this is the DC crossover. Damn. Uh, it, it's been it's been a definitely uh, a good segment, man. I appreciate you coming on, Dan Nampha uh, of the DC Crossover. A lot of great articles. Check out his stuff on all the websites. But uh, Dan, I appreciate you coming on once again, taking the time out on your on your relaxing Redskins off day Sunday, and uh, and, and coming on and, 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 and filling in for Ben for the segment, man. You know, 
Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, you got it, man. That's Dan Namfa for the DC Crossover. Mike Cerrone on the mic for you guys. Next up, we have Benjamin Simpson calling in from, I believe, Lake Anna. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's on a boat. I don't know where he is, but he said he's going to call in and tell us one thing in his life that has nothing to do with sports for our two-point conversion. Stay tuned, everybody. Ben Simpson on next on the DC Crossover. Welcome back, Pine Ponies, to the DC crossover right here. And yes, the Pine Ponies is exactly what we're trying to call you guys. It may stick. It may not. It may just be dumb. We never know. Uh, But at the same time, uh, I tried to come up with something funny, and Ben agreed. Uh, So I'm taking full credit. So if it goes down in flames, then you can blame me for that. So we're going to try to call you guys Pine Ponies because, again, this is the DC crossover where we go over the four major market teams here in the D.C. area, and we're casual fans. We're diehard fans also, uh, but at the same time, uh, what we do is we actually like to try to get it to the casual fan out there as well and not try to get too in-depth like diehards. But at the same time, this is more of a casual podcast where it's an outlet for us to, you know, air our grievances and, and, and celebrate our triumphs and everything like that in the D.C. area, as of late at least, um, the triumphs. But at the same time, this is the D.C. Crossover right here at dccrossover.com and on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music Stores. Let's welcome in my partner in crime, as always, Ben Simpson, on the phone, on the way back from his out-of-town trip. Mr. Simpson, good to have you on the program, man. We just had Dan Namfa one of our DC crossover writers on the show, and we're going to have Danny Noakes coming up in the following segment. So, Ben, maybe welcome, welcome you in in our, uh, in our uh, fun kind of segment that we usually do in the middle here. So what's going on, man? Yeah, I, I leave town for a weekend, and you've, you, you've already tried to replace me. <laughs> You're already calling our listeners a new name. A lot of things changing on the podcast. I was bored. I, I was take, bored, I take, man. <laughs> I, I take one weekend – uh, off and next thing you know captain mike is steering the ship in some interesting directions but, all right, captain. you know I'm, I'm all for it and yeah big thanks to the, the two dans uh <laughs> dan dan squared there for joining us uh, on the show and uh, joining you on the show rather and uh yeah i'm i'm excited to uh not be driving in a car anymore <laughs> that's for sure man and i tell you we had a, we had a good conversation last segment about the redskins obviously it's their bye week so uh we mainly had to talk uh, more so about uh, the, the the future uh, week against New Orleans and how that Monday Night Football game is going to be. Um, but uh, you, you got any quick thoughts about that game, Ben, before we get into some fun stuff? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be one of the bigger tests uh, for the Redskins here early in the season. I mean, we, we definitely thought the Packers game was going to be a big test, but I, I think this New Orleans game, especially since it's going to be in New Orleans, is another one that if the Redskins win this one, I, I think people start taking them even more seriously than they, they may be taking them right now. But uh, when you know when you're going up against Drew Brees, it's going to be a shootout, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, and, and definitely down in the Big Easy. That's what they call it, the Big Easy, right? I think it's Big Easy. Um, yeah, the, the bit, <laughs> hopefully it will be a, a big, easy big, big win. Big Easy win. <laughs> big Easy win, that's for sure. Yeah, down there, they always they, they always play real well down there. And um, it's uh, going to be a tough test for them, but... Again, go back and check the first segment out with Dan Nampha 
Uh, we had a lot of good conversation topics uh, for uh, the Redskins as a whole. And, uh, of course, again, next segment, Danny Noakes will be on to talk some Virginia Tech football after their big win this past week against Duke in Durham. But, again, this is the D.C. Crossover. Follow us on all the social media outlets at the D.C. Crossover on Twitter. And then also follow us on social media uh, on Facebook, uh, the D.C. Crossover podcast on Facebook. And go check out the DCCrossover.com. Mike Cerrone, Ben Simpson on the phone uh, as he's given us his great time as he has been out of town for the past few days. And, uh, Ben, let's get right into our fun topics, which we usually do in our second segment of the DC crossover. And I tell you, this one's going to be fun, man. We got a new segment we're introducing uh, this week. It's going to be a lot more fun when we're in person. But again, man, you're a busy man, so it's going to be hard to, to, to lock you down for some of this. You know, some sure. Of this time. But at the same time, I'm, I'm giving you credit, man. I'm just giving you some no, credit. I, I appreciate it. I keep, I keep waiting for the dig. I keep waiting for the insult. Here, uh, but, no, uh, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind gentleman. Now. I'm a kind gentleman. Yeah. You know that. I'm, I mean, oh. I am so kind, unless it's behind closed doors. Yeah, um, you weren't kind <laughs> to those uh, 13-year-old baseball players we used to coach, that's nope. for sure. Nope, uh, I was definitely the villain. Um, but, you know, some of them like me, I think. Uh, but they were only on the team for one year, so maybe that's a dig at me. Um, so <laughs> yeah, they, they liked they liked you when they liked you when you said, "All right, guys, see you see you next game." <laughs> that, was, that was their favorite. All right, guys, I'm I'm not going to be there on Saturday. So and then all of a sudden they're going in their cars with their parents. Yes. Yeah. That's when they were a big biggest fan. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was definitely the villain on that team. But that's that's definitely going to come up, uh, I'm sure, in future episodes. But let's get right into our two point conversion two things going on in our lives that have nothing to do with sports. Mr. Simpson, I'm going to hand the floor over to you because you've been out of town, man, on a nice, fun trip, I think. Yes, yes, a nice, fun trip. I and, I and, Mike, I've decided that I'm officially a boat guy. Oh. I'm a boat guy now. So we were out on the lake, Lake Anna State Park, you know, for the whole weekend. and uh, just On the boat me. the entire weekend? Pretty much, pretty oh, okay. much. I didn't know you, you call me there or not. You can call me Captain Ahab. You can call me, <laughs> I guess, the, the guy from the Titanic, but not the guy that sunk the ship, I guess. Um, What's his name? But, uh, yeah, not, 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 his name is... Uh, Buford dead. or something. Um, <laughs> but his, his, his name is Iceman. Um, <laughs> so, right. they, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a boat guy now, Mike. See, wow. we were out there. I, I know my, my starboard and my... Uh, steer, I guess, and my I know, <laughs> I know the uh, you, you move the little handle thing to make the engine go, and uh, we, uh, we, I know how to go into a little uh, gas station for the boat. They and, call that the throttle, yeah. by the way. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, I know how to spin the wheel around a little bit and uh, cut the engine, and uh, you know stuff like that. So I'm I'm a, I'm a boat guy now. I was out on the water a lot, uh, and I think I think I'm officially I should be. Uh, I, we, we need to get a boat. I think we get a boat and we call it the DC crossover and set sails. Yeah, I mean, I thought boats only had like women's names or something or like like something to do with Greek mythology or something, right? This one was called the Water Patio, uh, this boat that we were on. I don't know if that's a brand or a name of a <laughs> boat or what, but uh, we were on it. Yeah, me and, me and some of the guys here for a bachelor party weekend and... Uh, Again, Mike, I'm a boat guy. I think I need to go get myself some boat shoes and ah. get a little uh, get a little white button up, maybe. A white um, button up. You're gonna get one of those uh, those uh, skipper captain's hats. Yeah, the hat. You gotta leave the but you gotta leave the shirt unbuttoned down to like the third or fourth button. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I can be a, a skipper. 
Uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys had a blast this weekend because, I mean, you didn't have a lot of service this weekend, did you? No, it was a, a Wi-Fi on only, <laughs> Wi-Fi only situation. It was a it was an Airbnb type type deal where you're staying in somebody else's house. And one of the most interesting parts of that, Mike, was the uh, the little contract rules and things like that that you got to sign uh, when you rent the place. And one of the rules was you weren't allowed to wear any of the people's clothes that live in the house. Um, Good rule. It said, said, yeah, I I did not think that needed to be written down (laughs) as a rule, but apparently it does. So we followed that rule, I guess. But my idea was to take, they had some family photos up on the wall. I thought we should have taken a a family photo and and got it framed and put it right up on the wall with their family and just kind of see if they they noticed. (laughs) See Um, see if they they contact whoever booked the Airbnb and just said, like, "Uh, did you guys leave your photo here? Uh, We just do that all the time. Yeah, we figured we're part of the family now because we wore, wore all your clothes. So, yeah, I think uh, it was a good time, though. I highly recommend it. Lake Anna, man. Lake Anna is a good spot. Beautiful water. I think that it's like by a nuclear waste site, so the water is a little warmer. I heard about that this weekend. That's a real thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. Yeah, I think, the, I think in Lake Anna, I have a lot of family members, I think, um, that actually have houses down there, I believe. And that's that's a real good spot, though. I mean, I've always wanted to uh, just just you know have that opportunity to say, hey, you know what? It's a nice sunny day. Let's go out on the boat and just like you know drink. Yeah, adult. That's what you do on boats. That's what you do on boats. I want to drink. I, I want to know somebody that actually you know knows how to handle boats and take care of them because I know how to handle boats. Well, like, okay, I, I'm a boat you, guy. You now. know what starboard and uh, or starboard yeah. or whatever they say. Yeah, and port and uh, and uh, the uh, gal the galley. And, yeah, you uh, go to the marina to fill up. <laughs> I know that term. And yeah, I, I know I know what I'm doing, Mike. Oh. It's just like a, their gas stations are just like our gas stations. It's weird. You can get like regular, unleaded, whatever. Oh, I wow. guess it's all it's all using the same stuff. I guess <laughs> um, it's just like an engine. But you have to like fill it up like every day, so it's it's it, it can get a little costly. But uh, yeah, went out on on the boat, and uh, yeah, uh, boat culture is pretty fun. Everybody waves at each other. Um, yeah, that's right. And then you you make sure you go to the right. I learned that. Um, what does that even mean? Go to the right. You know, where, it's where, a, it's where a boat you... thing. Oh, okay. It's a boat thing. Okay. You might just not, you might not get it. You you stay on land. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe, um, maybe when I go when I get on a boat uh, ever, I'll just say, "Do I go to the right?" Uh, that's what that's what yeah, I heard. You you go to the right, and then there's also like uh, little little waves, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all you need to know. That's pretty impressive, man. I, I appreciate the. Uh, the culture uh, and uh, and basically everything you taught me because so far I feel like I've learned a little bit this afternoon. That's what I'm here for. You're you're a little uncultured, Mike. So I'm trying to kind of elevate your game That's a true. little bit. That's true. Um, yeah, it's just just how how everything rolls. But glad you had fun, man. Glad you're safely back on land and you're not you know getting in accidents or or, or you know falling off the you know like overboard like in that movie. Um, Goldie, yeah, Goldie sure. Han. You know, you don't want to be a Goldie Han. You know, you don't want to know, no, know where I, you're at. I say that to myself every day. I don't want to be Goldie <laughs> Han. But uh, the one thing going on in my life that has nothing to do with sports obviously isn't as elaborate as yours. Um, because literally, I don't know why, but ever since we started this 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 whole entire segment, uh, the two point conversion, really, I've been having the, the weakest life in in the world. And I'm not saying I'm not having fun or anything like that, but. Like, there's just nothing going on that's really enticing to talk about. Um, the one thing I will talk about is 
Uh, we had some of uh, uh, some of our friends over, me and my girlfriend, and uh, we basically what we did was uh, she wanted she is pretty good at hosting parties and all that stuff. That's one of her fortes. She likes doing it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, to me, I really don't care. Um, you know, I I am the type of person that says like, hey, let's come over and we can hang out and I'll order Domino's <laughs> or I'll order a pizza. You know, something simple and uh, or get takeout or whatever. Um, but she likes to she likes to cook and, and and do all this kind of stuff. Which lucky for me, that's 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 uh, it's a godsend. But at the same time, uh, I have to give her a shout out on this because uh, what she made is is some great stuff. She made this mozzarella sandwich thing that had a little sea salt on top. It was like some uh, broche bread or whatever the hell they call it. Um, <laughs> oh God, Mike! Come on, man. <laughs> You gotta get some. You gotta do some learning or something. Broche bread, brioche. <laughs> oh, brioche. That's right. That's what it's called. Um, I knew I was messing something up there. Man, um, Jen and I need to work together and cook you a, a five star meal because I cook a little bit. Jen clearly has the skills as well in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, so see, we need I, to see, I can team make up. stuff, dude. I can make stuff like I'm a hell of. A oh yeah, like I'm you a... can make you can make some ramen. Uh, no, you can I, make some toast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're really good at PB and J's. I'm a really good, that's a th- I'm a really good griller. That's the thing. I can okay. grill the hell out of some meat, but that's like the only thing that. I, yeah, I that's like. really hard. That's really hard, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Just throw it on the grill for three minutes and turn it over. Way to, way to go, man. <laughs> hey, those burgers are on point, man. If, okay. I mean, okay. Gordon Ramsay would be proud of those burgers on uh, the temperature. Um, but I mean, she made this 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 gnocchi, the sweet potato gnocchi, that was really good. Um, and like I said, the brioche bread mozzarella sandwich with sea salt on top. Like uh, she had butter on it or something like that. I don't know. Whatever. Butter. Oh man, butter! What a, what a what a fancy new thing! <laughs> <laughs> it's a new invention. Um, it's yeah. like this. It looks like a block of cheese, but it's actually not. Um, but at the same time, it's. I mean, it was it was an elaborate dinner. She made this big salad, which obviously I'm not really into. Yeah, um, no way. Yeah, th- she had to when she put the salad away. It was us and two friends, and and literally when she put the salad away, it's in like four different you know freaking tupperware things or whatever the hell it is and i was like you're gonna have a lot of salad this week because i ain't eat, eating any of that stuff i'm not a big greens guy um obviously but uh basically at the same time you know i gave her a shout out because she made this great dinner i mean it was it was a fun time too i haven't seen them in a while and uh i mean i love italian food don't get me wrong italian food is is the best i mean you can get manicotti spaghetti pizza um yeah, that's what the Italians are really best at. <laughs> Pizza and spaghetti. Yeah, that's what they they really like to be known for that. <laughs> you know, that's the way. The, hey, that's the way the world turns, man. You got to forget go with the classics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like uh, the best Mexican food. You know, Taco Bell, <laughs> Taco Bell, Dor- Doritos Locos. <laughs> oh yeah, don't they have those Doritos? <laughs> God, anything that ends with an Edos. Uh, is is Mexican, but um, at the same time, you know, it was it was it was a good dinner as a whole. But uh, I, obviously, yours is a little bit more elaborate than mine, uh, so I'll give you credit for that. That's uh, two in a row for you. Um, but I think it's honestly time here, Ben, to introduce our new segment. How about you? How about this? You think it's going to be a good time? Yeah, I, I sure hope so. <laughs> so we're yeah, I sure hope so too. If it's going to be a fail, then you know, as, uh, God help us all. Uh, so. We tried to call you guys out there the Pine Ponies. All right, so 
just like some other radio shows out there call their followers certain things uh, pine ponies basically it's if you're riding the pine they call it you're on the bench so basically you're a bench warmer so we can call you whatever the hell we want because you guys don't care uh you're not listening to it anyways so basically uh this new segment is called the pine pony express it's a play on words obviously i came up with it and i think it's pretty clever if it's not then you, i mean you don't you won't comment anyway so who cares I'm going to feel good about myself. This, ex- this whole entire su- uh, subject is going to have the funniest news story that's actually news in the world today, most likely in the U.S., but it's going to be the funniest news stories, and me and Ben are going to try to top each other in one of our news stories that are out in the world uh, within the last, you know, say, say two to three weeks or so. So, Ben, I mean, do you want me to go first? Because I think I'm going to top yours, so maybe I should go second. But it's up Oh, to yeah, you, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. You, you seem pretty hyped about yours. I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'll go first. So, so mine uh, comes from the wonderful city of St. Louis. Oh, uh, Missouri. The headline here is Six Flags St. Louis challenges you to stay in a coffin for 30 hours. <laughs> so I've heard the deal, about this. The deal here here is that this is kind of part of their their fright fest celebration, and basically, uh, six people are chosen to sit in a two by seven coffin for thirty hours, and then uh, the if 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 more than one person completes the challenge, the three hundred dollars gets raffled among those people, um, or you know, likely there's a chance you're the only one to do it and but here's here's the interesting caveats here mike and we can kind of go through this here so all right these are these are the uh, additional rules here so you get a six minute bathroom break every hour which is seems like a cheating yeah first of all that seems like a lot i don't know about you but i am in and out as quick as possible (laughs) uh when, when i but then again i don't know because then what if what if you do have to do you know maybe uh not number one and um And then next thing you know, you're now under the gun here to get that done in six minutes. And that's <laughs> and suddenly the, the rest of the, the Six Flags is waiting for you to get out of the porta potty there. Um, that might be a little awkward. And then uh, all meals, snacks, and drinks are provided by the park. Okay, great. So you're eating French fries and uh, hell, you know Six Six Flags sodas all all day. And then, but you also get to have phone charging stations. So theoretically. This is not you even a just, contest. Yeah, 30 hours. I mean, that's what you could complete like four seasons of Sons of Anarchy right there. <laughs> like like you could knock out a lot of uh, a lot of uh, television in that 30 hours. No doubt. So I don't, I don't get it, though. Like if you're having your phone, if you're having like hamburgers, hot dogs, all that kind of it's basically like a picnic. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. It's like you, you're able to go to the bathroom. I mean. I just don't get it. What, what is if you stay there for thirty hours? What do you get again? You get like you get three hundred dollars, but the only, the only way. But the problem is, is if if more than one person is able to stay in for at least thirty hours, split it. <laughs> they have to split it, and uh, it's actually it's it's like raffled out. So in theory, you could possibly line a coffin for thirty hours and actually leave with no money <laughs> if they. If they raffle it off, and but I guess for us we would be excited because you would get to have hopefully free food from Six Flags for thirty hours, which sounds pretty good. Does Six Flags have good food? I've never been to a Six Flags. Uh, I have not been to a Six Flags in a long time. King, King's Dominion is uh, owns Six Flags, man. King's really? Dominion is they way. Do? They're they're way better. 
Oh, 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 I thought you... I don't mean actually owns. That wouldn't <laughs> make any like, sense, Mike. I was like, oh, um, damn. <laughs> no, no, no. So they, they're way better than uh, than Six Flags. Oh, okay. um, yeah, King's, King's Dominion, more, more fun. And then I'm, I'm into Hershey Park because you can walk around eating a s'more while you're... Uh, Look, uh, looking at looking at roller coasters so <laughs> that's Man. that's my go-to but yeah i thought that was kind of funny so 30 hours in a coffin here's the thing like do you think a you could complete it and b do you what would what would the what would your you know challenge be during that what would kind of make it a little difficult for you well i think the the biggest thing is i could easily do that i mean i i would download say you know a handful of podcasts and maybe download a couple movies i mean 30 hours just like you said you know i mean i would hopefully if it was climate controlled uh which apparently everything else is controlled in this so hopefully it's not like burning hot or or anything in there i could i could sleep for 10 hours i mean geez, yeah i was about please. to say it's a great way to get a nap <laughs> yeah, yeah catch a little shut eye in a dark coffin yeah um, you're like i don't even need the 300 dollars. i'm just kind of tired <laughs> yeah so. she's kind of tired let me uh let me let me snuggle up in there um oh, i but, wonder if you get to bring a pillow in or, or what the I'm deal sure, is i'm sure there. you have to i mean it's you can't be laying on a on a piece of plywood i don't know um, i don't know again it is six flags the uh the the, the bums of the music park industry yeah um, these are actually real coffins from the dead <laughs> people from the rides so yeah this is uh, that's okay. what they had to work with getting pretty dark here um yes yeah, so, <laughs> but i think uh i think i could easily do it i mean easily uh but the thing about it is that would be the the, the, the toughest is when the thing started because honestly like with my job right now, I have to get up so damn early that I hate it. I'm not a morning person. Uh, like, I can stay up as long as I want, but uh, getting up is the problem. I can try to go to bed at 9 p.m., and I will just lay in bed for two hours with my eyes. Like, my eyes closed, basically, but not being able to sleep. So it's like, if this thing started at, like, 6 a.m. because we need to time it right or something like that, like, I, I couldn't do it. Like I just, I just, I'd be, I'd be either I'd be late to getting there, and they'd be like, "Oh, yeah, you get, you're not in the coffin." Uh, but so it's like, you know, I think that would be the biggest t- uh, t- test for me because honestly, everything else seems like a cakewalk. Because I would get some, you know, like you said, some curly fries or a cheeseburger or whatever. And then, I mean, if you have to, you know, do, do your business in the in, in the in the John, you know, obviously, I'm just gonna hold it out as long as I can. Uh, you know, and, and just make sure the night before I don't eat Taco Bell or something like that. Yeah, um, what if the 30 hours, the, the only food they gave you were salads? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I, 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 I'm just not a salad guy, man. Like when I, Well, they, they wouldn't even need to have to get you a new coffin. You'd be all set. <laughs> I would just, I'm like, when I think about salads, I just think of, like, you know, tomatoes and, and lettuce. And it's just like... I just don't like it. To me, it's just look when you look at it. Like when you look at an ice cream sundae, like it's just like a hot fudge sundae or something like that. You just look and you're like, damn, that looks good. You know, you, you just your mouth starts watering. But I don't, when I look at a salad, my mouth starts drying up, saying like, please don't, um, because it's just like I, it's just so unappetizing to me. So if they tried to feed me a salad, I'd be like, yeah, give it to Bill. He's he's in the next coffin. Um, you know. But at the same time, I think I could probably do it. What about you? Ah. Uh... I don't know. It would be tough. <laughs> I haven't thought about it before. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I literally have not thought about it. But, um, yeah, I think I think if you load up the iPad or iPhone or whatever with some good TV, maybe cover some movies, uh, you can watch the whole Harry Potter franchise if you want. That's right. That um, would be a good chance to do it. 
yeah exactly this would be literally the best chance to do anything that you want to do in that type of realm so <laughs> yeah um, you have nowhere yeah. to go except the bathroom exactly nobody can get mad at you for watching netflix for 30 hours because hey i was part of this contest so yeah i think i'll I, I would say i could probably do it but i don't think i'd want to so, <laughs> i'd rather just go to six flags so yeah so uh, ben what'd you do this weekend well let me start off with it had to do with the coffin <laughs> yeah 30 hours so that's yeah that's more than one day i did the math so um yeah that's that's probably you're probably starting on like a friday night and then i guess you're probably getting out on a uh ooh, maybe like sunday morning or something like that i don't know i don't know that's a hell of a, in, hell of a weekend right there <laughs> yeah it's it's intriguing it's intriguing for sure so what do you got what's your, what's your big big story here? all right so this is uh happening in uh florida uh, it was just about a week ago and uh it uh states the title is florida man tries to start naked fight club at chick-fil-a um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I like I like to see what you guess about that. But uh, uh, this is of course at Chick Fil A, and the guy looks kind of normal. He kind of looks like a guy I went to high school with, honestly. Um, but uh, it's in Jacksonville, Florida. And it's a very short article because obviously there's not a lot to talk about. Obviously, um, but it says a Florida man was arrested after he alleged, uh, or actually, excuse me, after he challenged others to fight and to stare at his genitals outside a Chick-fil-A restaurant. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll just call him Corey because I don't want to say his whole name, even though it's public. Um, Corey, who's 30, was naked when he was spotted earlier Monday morning in, a, in the parking lot of the fast food chicken location that they report. One woman said her boyfriend called and said he is being chased by a man while riding his bike, challenging him to a fight. <laughs> According to the woman... Corey stripped naked and yelled at those passing by to stare at his private parts. And then the quote, I observed multiple vehicles drive by while the man was nude and yelling, look at my junk. <laughs> A deputy noted in the report, uh, Corey was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and resisting officers without violence. So... Yeah, Chick-fil-A has a lot on their hands uh, with this naked man trying to start uh, fighting people in the parking lot. Yeah, the thing is, I, I if it was, see, the Chick-fil-A part <laughs> is the one is the one part that's kind of getting to me because I feel like if I read the, if I heard the story and it was like a McDonald's, then I'd be like, yeah, okay, that that makes yeah, that sense. That makes sense. But a Chick-fil-A just is, you know, this is we're talking about a family establishment here. Exactly. We're talking about we're talking about some of the nicest. Uh, workers at, and that's probably why this was allowed to continue because you know those Chick Fil A employees are so nice that they, that nobody was was mean enough to tell this guy he couldn't do this. You want to fight me? Uh, uh, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, here, here you go. Here's an extra Chick Fil A sauce. Um, so, so yeah, I think they, if if this had been a Taco Bell or a McDonald's or, or definitely a Burger King story, I would have believed this more. But the fact <laughs> that it's a Burger King. Yeah, yeah, nobody goes to Burger King, um, <laughs> except for th this type of guy. So, <laughs> but the other element of the story that makes me believe that this happened is the fact when you said it took place in Florida, yes. which we all know this is exactly where these types of things happen, is definitely in Florida, especially Jacksonville, Florida. So, wow, that is a, a heck of a story. I will say you definitely have me beat this week. That's yeah. for sure. I, I When I saw it, I said... I, I mean, I basically saw a, naked, start, a naked Fight Club, 
and I was like, well, this is intriguing. And then I saw that Chick-fil-A, and I was like, well, this has to be my story because, I mean, with Chick-fil-A, and like you said, how polite they are. If you ask for Yeah, that, guy outside showing everybody his nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't expecting that one. Um, yeah, but Chick-fil-A, honestly, you know, they basically are, are the best franchise out there because, I mean, think about it. They give you all the sauces you want. They're not like Taco Bell that cheat you out of uh, hot sauce every time. I mean, you ask for extra hot sauce. Like, t- say you get 10 burritos, uh, which is usually my order at Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah, I was about to say 10 burritos. <laughs> That's my normal Friday night. Uh, but if you get 10 burritos, you say, hey, can I get some hot sauce? And they're like, yeah, sure. And they give you like seven packets. It's like, okay, what am I supposed to split this packet? Um, but Chick-fil-A, man, like, you know, literally, if you get like one sandwich, you say, can I get some Chick-fil-A? Like, oh, my pleasure. And they give you like eight. So it's like, okay, now I can, I can save some. So, I mean, I, it's very surprising. Chick-fil-A has a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, genitalia to deal with apparently lately. Apparently, apparently. But yeah, it's that's 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 intriguing. That's not, I mean I'm not intrigued by the fighting, but I, the real question is I guess yeah, is like how good was this guy fighting? Uh, well, apparently is, is not well because no one no one challenged him. I'm kind of yeah. surprised no one challenged him down there. I mean he probably uh, saw undefeated, like, undefeated, yeah, undefeated champ down there. Under, uh, yeah, uh, Dana White's calling him up, bringing him. Uh, he's fighting Khabib and, uh, the week after uh, McGregor beats his ass. So yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's classic. But that's the. Pine Pony Express, our new segment. So uh, let us know if you like it, um, and uh, we'll keep on doing it. Uh, we're ma- mainly going to have it at the end, uh, but when Ben's not here, we're going to try to uh, integrate it when he's on. Uh, but again, uh, Ben Simpson on the phone. Uh, we're about to end the segment, but dude, uh, it's, it's it's good to catch up with you again. I know you've been out of town and whatnot, and the people missed you through this episode, man. But we had a couple good. Uh, Feelings for you this week, and uh, they might be replacing you soon. So just uh, yeah, that's, if you get a letter in the ma- if you get a letter in the mail, just uh, uh, th- thank you for your service. Yeah, no problem. I'll just collect my royalties checks, and uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll be good. I'll be good. And uh, yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited to definitely dive into the skins next week. Monday Night Football, man, it's going to be a big stage. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think we're possibly uh, going to do an episode on Sunday, and then we might uh, dabble into a. A little reaction episode, possibly a little special edition on Tuesday as well. And Ben will probably phone in there as well. So uh, we're going to figure out all that kind of stuff. Um, but again, stay tuned to the DCCrossover.com for all of our articles and our great writers. And then also check us out on all the social media outlets at the DC Crossover on Twitter and DC Crossover Podcast on Facebook. Ben, appreciate you, buddy. Have a safe trip back home. And uh, we'll talk next week, bud. Absolutely. All right. That's Ben Simpson, the co-host every single week right here on the DC Crossover. Coming up next, Mr. Danny Noakes tuned in down in Richmond for the Virginia Tech Hokies football squad. Welcome back, everybody, to the DC Crossover. Mike Cerrone on the mic for you guys this afternoon. If you're listening in the afternoon, if you're listening in the morning, who cares? Uh, this is a podcast. That's what the best thing about a podcast is. You can listen to it anytime you want on iTunes. Uh, we're also going to be on Google Podcasts soon, and we're also on Google Play Music. So three different platforms, so you have zero, literally zero uh, excuse, basically, to not listen to our podcast. It's the DC Crossover with Cerrone and Simpson. And we're starting our new 
segment with the man of the hour. His name is Danny Noakes, and everybody has, you know, if you've followed me and Ben for a long time, you know, you know who Danny Noakes is. He's actually filled in for the first pick uh, a few years ago. Uh, but he's doing big things, bigger things than me and Ben have been doing in our lives. But at the same time, let me uh, welcome my partner uh, for this segment, the new segment, Notes with Noakes. That's going to be very difficult to say. I just realized that uh, multiple times. But let me welcome my partner for this segment, Danny Noakes, at, no- at Danny Noakes on Twitter. Danny, what's going on in your life, man? Sarone, good to hear from you, brother. It's been too long, man. But I got to tell you, it's always an absolute pleasure. You got to give yourself more credit, though. I'm coming on your show, you realize, right? <laughs> I realize that, but at the same time, this is how me and Ben flow, man. It's it, it's just we, we goof on ourselves, and people like that more than try to, trying to say, oh, yeah, you know, our show is great. <laughs> so they like to they like seeing us just, just goof on ourselves all the time. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, you're literally, you know, doing big things down south. I mean, you're the co-host and producer for Fox Sports 910 in Richmond. You also host a college football tailgate show on Saturdays. I mean, you're just doing it all, man. I mean, what's been going on with you? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I've, I've been very fortunate, Mike. It's, it's, been, it's been an incredible adventure so far, and I know there's still so much more to go. But, you know, working with someone like Wes McElroy, who's a two-time Virginia Sportscaster of the Year, has, has been a great learning experience. And, you know, I, I miss all my people back in Blacksburg. And it's, and it's not as though that I've lost touch with them at all. You know, Bill Roth, the former voice of the Hokies, the sure. UCLA Bruins, he, he still remains a very close friend of mine. I, I talked to him a couple of days ago. Um, I'll actually get him on the, the phone tomorrow as well. I'm, I've got something that I need to talk to him about. But, um, you know, all those people back there, Laser, the, the voice of the Hokies now, I, I still keep in touch and get to talk to them all the time. And it's it's just been such a, a treat to get to work with guys like that. You know, my Pearson Prelo, uh, a former tech guy, a Super Bowl champion, he's sure. – he was fantastic as well. So it's it's been a it's been a busy three years since I graduated from Virginia Tech. But uh, you know it's been it's it's been filled with incredible experiences, man. Yeah, man. And, and just to go along with what you were saying about you know trying to you know, pump up our show a little bit. I mean, weren't you coming out of Tech? Weren't you in that magazine or something that you were rated as one of the top fifty broadcasters coming out of school? It was, uh, yeah, it was the Sportscasters Talent Agency of America. They do a top 20 list of college sportscasters every year for the Jim Nance Award. And the top guy wins the award. So I I was number 15 on that list in 2015, (laughs) as as it were. So it kind of, it kind of lined up perfectly there. But uh, yeah, that was, that's definitely, that remains one of the bigger accomplishments in, in my life so far. Hopefully, you know, there'll be, um, not necessarily more like that because it's not about the awards and the accomplishments, but um, it's it, it was a really cool experience to to know that people enjoy listening to you and, and appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And that's the thing is, I'm trying to give everyone out there a little bit of perspective on on uh, you know what's going on in your life and 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 how I, I know you personally from other jobs that we've done. And uh, we've known each other for years now, and that's the thing. Is sure. that, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on our show. And, and you know, the, the main thing that we're having here is because you're plugged in down south, and some people around here, they're big tech fans. And, you right. know, tech, uh, football, basketball, especially now that Buzz Williams is over, um, you know, uh, coaching at Castle, uh, that's the big thing is that, you know, tech basketball, especially this year, 
uh, they're one to look out for. But we'll get into that a little bit later in basketball season. But let's get right into the Hokie topics right now with their 31-14 win over Duke last night. Um, definitely a great bounce back game from that old Dominion game, which, again, I didn't get to see, by the way. Uh, my TV provider, for some reason, did not have it on the TV. I, I mean, yep. it was on some, like, you know, blackout <laughs> channel or something like that. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's the ODU. And then I checked it on my phone, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, well, it's a little bit close game, but they'll, 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 they'll do it. And then I get this text from uh, my girlfriend's uh, brother, and he's like, oh, sorry about the loss in the quarterback's leg, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what? And I look, I'm like, oh, Josh Jackson, he basically broke his body. And then all of a sudden, you know, basically they lost and they led over 500 yards of offense. It, 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 I mean, it's just it was a it was a, a, a crapshoot last week. I mean, I don't want to really talk about that too much because of how they responded on the road in Durham. And I mean, Duke, everyone looks at them because of, uh, uh, you know, Coach K and all that kind of stuff with uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium and all that kind of stuff. But they don't look at David Cutcliffe and how Duke is actually progressed as a football program. So let's talk about that a little bit and how they responded with the 31-14 win. Yeah, you know, it's it's it was an absolutely nightmarish scenario for Virginia Tech last weekend between the lost ODU, losing Josh Jackson for an extended period of time, and dismissing your best pass rusher in Trayvon Hill. It really could not have been a worse weekend for Virginia Tech. Absolutely embarrassing the performance that they put up against Old Dominion. But you're absolutely right. The way that they responded was equally as impressive, quite honestly, because Duke was going into that game last night, 4-0. Oh, yeah. they, they had beaten a couple of good teams, one of which was Baylor. They had to go out to Texas, beat them on the road. So, And, and by the way, David Cutcliffe did a great job of keeping his – injured quarterback Daniel Jones kind of under wraps all week long because I think he knew that Daniel Jones was going to be good to go for a while and he just didn't tell anybody and Virginia Tech was you know possibly preparing for Quentin Harris who was the guy that had been starting in Daniel Jones place I thought that was kind of savvy if that's in in fact what happened I I could be wrong but (laughs) um you know they they I was not concerned going into that game with Ryan Willis, who, who obviously comes in to replace Josh Jackson as a starting quarterback. We watched him in the spring, and, and it wasn't very much. Don't, don't get me wrong. We didn't get to see a ton of him, but the guy has a very similar skill set to Josh Jackson. He's got experience at Division One level. He transferred from Kansas, um, and, and he's got a bigger arm, I think, than Jackson. And... and you know, he just he, he's able to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, and it's just a little bit more natural for him, I think. Um, and I was talking to Andy Bitter, too, uh, earlier this week at The Athletic. I, uh, we were doing an interview for the, the College Football Tailgate Show, and I said, you know, I guess Jackson's probably a little bit more mobile. And then he said, I, you know, I, I might kind of disagree. I think Willis might be a little bit more mobile. So Jackson won the job fair and square, but Willis I don't really think is, is a step back at all. My concern, Mike, was with the defense going into this game. Oh yeah, and 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 without Trayvon Hill, who was an absolute stud against Florida State in the season opener, and a guy that I felt was going to play in the National Football League, and he still might, but not having him, oh man, I, I I was not sure with an already young defense how they'd be able to respond, and and they absolutely did. They flew around the field, 
guys like Rayshard Ashby, who is still so young, 15 tackles, a local kid here, a local kid here in Richmond, by the way, um, Louisa County, I believe was where he ended one, two, uh, Reggie Floyd had a, had a massive game, you know, eight tackles, two and a half for loss. Uh, he, he was a part of a turnover. He's from, uh, in my former neck of the woods, Thoreau, <laughs> and of course where you live now, but, uh, Stonewall Jackson, uh, Reggie Floyd went, uh, so they, you know, they, they was just a, it was a really sound effort. Uh, they did face some adversity last night as well. So uh, I give them a lot of credit. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's the one thing that everyone uh, around Blacksburg was worried about was the defense. And it's kind of when you see a Bud Foster defense, everyone says like, oh, you know, it's Bud Foster. But this defense might be his most troubled defense, not like with the law or anything, but you know what I'm saying? Like how young they are. Exactly. They lost a bunch of of huge pieces. I mean, Tim Settle, Greg Stroman, Adonis Alexander. I mean, they lost guys that were leaders on this entire team. That's why they were were leaning on Adonis Alexander to be on the football team this year. And then he kind of blew that away, that opportunity. But at the same time, you know, they're looking at Ricky Walker to be the main focal point of this this team. And last, I mean, last night, Gaines had two and a half sacks. I mean, it's just like, I mean, you're seeing a lot of these guys go left and right and, and basically play out of their minds. And that's the one thing I'm a little bit worried about um, as well is basically you don't want to go and, and, and play a team uh, like, like an ODU and look past them. I think the, the ECU break uh, was also kind of hurting to them as, as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look at it and say, how are they going to respond against Duke? And Willis, this is the first action we've seen from him as a starter. And 332, three touchdowns, uh, only 10 incompletions, which is a pretty big number. I, I think that's a really good stat line for him. But to, to me, honestly, last night, what, what stood out to me the most was the receiving core. I mean, the receiving core they were catching balls when guys were draped all over them. And that's one thing in the past that we really haven't seen from this receiving core. They've had a lot of great receivers. Don't get me wrong. I mean, literally Bucky Hodges basically turning into receiver from tight end. And then you also have Isaiah Ford, Eddie Royal from way back when. I mean, you have a lot of these named guys that were great receivers and also Stanford, might I add, uh, in, in the slot as well uh, in years past. But at the same time, some of these guys, really, no one really knows about them, and they're not like superstars. That's why you see a lot of these stat lines with two re- receiving or two receptions, excuse me, three receptions, four receptions. They're spreading the ball around, and that's one thing you like to see uh, with a first-time starter uh, for Tech and Willis. Yeah, you know, you bring up a lot of real good points right there, Mike. Uh, and going back to one of them, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the ECU game that ended up getting canceled because of yep. Hurricane Florence because I think you're absolutely right them not playing that week hurt them more so than it benefited them. And, you know, going into it, I, you, most of us figured that, oh, it's an extra bye week. They can use it to rest. Sure. And, and they had some guys that were banged up, so I'm sure they did rest. But, you know, it's it takes you out of a routine. And they had momentum going, man. They, they were 2-0. and oh, yeah. They had just just – just absolutely crushed William and Mary and, and made it look easy where to, <laughs> that was a point. I, yeah. I, I think Jackson was, uh, I think they pulled him at the end of the first half. He, they were beating him so bad. So, you know, they, they missed out on, on their momentum getting crushed there by ODU and having to go on the road. But what you said about the, the receivers, uh, I think is definitely true there. They don't really have a go-to guy 
right now. Although I think Damon Hazleton, who did catch a touchdown and, and four catches, 65 yards in total, he is their most talented wideout right now. And, and a guy that I think Willis can rely on and a guy that I think he should rely on and a guy that he should target as much as he possibly can. He threw a beautiful pass to him last night. I, I don't know if you saw that replay, Sarum. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was an absolutely perfect pass. Hazleton made it look easy. Um, they, they've had some drops, though, and, and that would be a concern of mine. But all in all, uh, they were sharp offensively. The, the, the bigger concern from the offensive side of the ball yesterday was, was them running the football. They only averaged two yards a carry. Uh, 41 yard, uh, 81 yards on 41 carries, which is not very good. And we had talked going into this season about how they're going to need to improve their ability to run the ball if they're really going to contend for the ACC Coastal with Miami. And they had been running the ball better in the first couple games of the season, and they they really did not against Duke. But it but it didn't really matter because they ended up winning the game. And and I thought a lot of that just had to do with the way that Will has played. And, and again, I give him a lot of credit because it's not an easy situation to sit for, th- you know, two, almost two games, but, but come in that ODU situation where you're on the verge of a historic upset and your quarterback just got hurt. And now you're charged with stopping that momentum. Uh, that that's a really tough task for anyone to do. And and then obviously to, to continue and play the next week against a ranked Duke team, 12 coached by Cutcliffe. Uh, Willis is is the, gets the game ball for me for sure. And then you also look at uh, as we start to move forward into Notre Dame. Uh, for the last point I have to make about Duke is if you look at the whole entire picture of the game, the whole entire tail of the tape, all that kind of stuff. Basically, you're looking at all the stats and they're almost the same. The possession was only about a two minute difference, if that. Uh, and then you also have the penalties. There was not a lot. There's only seven total penalties, basically split down the middle. Uh, the rushing yardage was only 10 difference. I mean, the biggest thing is that Tech, in the past, sometimes you've seen these type of games, these kind of trap games for their season, go into the sole fact of can they withstand uh, a, a team in a, in a close ball game? In this game, they actually scored a lot more than we expected because in the past, you would see Tech uh, with Logan Thomas or anybody at quarterback like that uh, after Tyrod's time with their offense going and saying, okay, we're going to win this game 20 to 14, not 31 to 14. They're not going to win it by two scores. You know, they're going to, they're going to win it by like a a six point margin or whatever it may be to the point where you don't see these close games like total yardage. It was under 90 yards of total offense uh, combined that, that basically they did. They were the different. I can't even talk. The differential was, and and that's the thing is you saw their defense bend, but not break because they only let up two touchdowns. So that's something I like to see is that, okay, you let up 327 total yards, but only 14 points. And you guys had literally only about 90 more yards or so. And you scored two more scores than them. So that's a big thing. And also it was touchdowns, not field goals, which we've been seen to, to expect in the past. You know, it's 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 funny too, Mike. Uh, something that we haven't talked as much about here is the the coaching staff sure. and what Coach Fuente has has done here. Yeah, for for some reason, he he just has the number of some of these coaches in the ACC, and and David Cutcliffe would be one of them. And, and I give him credit because again, Cutcliffe has done such a great job over the last few years with that Duke program. I mean, 
in one of Beamer's final years, there was a four, I believe it was a four overtime game. I was in the press box for it. I should remember. I just don't off the top of my head. Um, we'll but, they, you know, do, yeah. And, and there was also another Duke game where the Blue Devils came to Lane Stadium. I believe that would have been the fall of 2013. Uh, actually, no, that was fall of 2014. I, I remember one of my friends came to visit, and I remember the apartment I was living in. Uh, and, and those were two times where Duke went into Lane Stadium and beat Virginia Tech. Yeah. And that was at the end of Beamer's tenure. Fuente is 3-0 and against David Cutcliffe and, and the Duke Blue Devils. But, you know, he's 0-2 against Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech. Yeah. And they've been favored in both those games. So it's just funny. But uh, the, the coaching staff also in the ODU game, I thought, didn't do a good job of making in-game adjustments. And for whatever reason, we're caught off guard by that. And and then the players responded kind of the same way and, and didn't handle it very well. Um, but they they did a great job game planning for Duke. They were ready for everything. They were ready for Daniel Jones. Okay. You know, we had no idea he was going to play, and, and they absolutely were ready for him. They did a good job forcing turnovers. Bud was back to being the, the best defensive coordinator in, in college football, so I give the coaching staff a lot of credit, too. We're talking to Danny Noakes. Follow him on Twitter at Danny Noakes, N-O-K-E-S. Uh, and also, he's the co-host and producer for Fox Sports 910 in Richmond. He also hosts a college football tailgate show on Saturdays, so definitely check him out at Danny Noakes on Twitter. Uh, Danny, let's talk uh, now looking forward as we just entered uh, the final uh, topic of Duke. Now we're going to move on to the number eight Notre Dame fighting Irish, okay? They had a big game last night against uh, Stanford. They, they're they 4-1. Notre Dame was 4-0. Um, or, excuse me, Stanford was 4-0, and, oh, and Notre Dame was 4-0. Uh, seventh against eighth, and Notre Dame pretty much took it to them, winning by 21 points. So, really, first off, let's start talking uh, more so uh, looking at Notre Dame, because some people might not know a, 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 enough about Notre Dame. So, how should Tech prepare for Notre Dame's offense? And I mean, against a nice Stanford defense, 38 points. That's a that's a that's a good amount of points for a young defense for Bud Foster. So let's talk about some coaching points from you. Yeah, yeah there. Obviously, Notre Dame is a talented football team. They're always going to be. And you know, even though Brian Kelly a lot of the time is going to coach himself out of games, coach oh, yeah. his team out of games rather. Um, you know, they're they're still talented enough to to hang with just about anyone on any given year. That's the first thing I think that you can take away. Uh, I did actually not get to watch that Stanford game last night. Um, Me either. It was well, we're on the same boat. <laughs> I know. It was it was one of many games that were on, man. It was oh, yeah. one of many good games. Uh, I did get to see the end of that Ohio State-Penn State game. That one also left you scratching your head. But, you know, the Irish came out, and, and they beat a good Michigan team to, to start off the season by a touchdown. Um, and, and they had the benefit of doing so in South Bend. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. um, th- this is going to be Notre Dame's first trip to, to Lane Stadium. It's going to be under the lights. It's going to be on Saturday Night Football. And um, it's going to be a, a, a newer atmosphere for them. And I, I don't think that will necessarily intimidate them whatsoever. It's it's Notre Dame. This is the game that they play in all the time. But yeah. uh, the the – Virginia Tech, what what they need to be preparing for, I, I suppose, um, from your original question would be, you know, the Ian Book thrown for four touchdowns against Stanford. He he can do a lot of different things. He's mobile. They like to use him on the ground a lot. 
Um, but between being able to hand the ball off to Dexter Williams, who went for north of 160 yards last night, uh, and and throwing it to Boykin on the outside, they're, they they've got some guys. They've got some game breakers that can they can bust some big plays. And, and Virginia Tech has given up uh, big plays. Uh, that Bud Foster's defense is is prone to big plays. It has been for a long time, and certainly something you saw against Old Dominion, uh, but. But even against Duke, there there were a couple of bigger plays that you're going to try to eliminate. And if you let a team like Notre Dame bust big plays like that, they're going to take the air right out of Lane Stadium. Yeah, no doubt. Looking at Notre Dame's rushing stats from last night, 272 off of 55 carries, only one touchdown. But the biggest thing that I'm, I'm worried about um, is uh, the sole fact that can they stop and pick their poison, tech that is, uh, for Boykin or Williams because those were the basically the only two playmakers because there was not one guy that actually had more than three receptions for Notre Dame when Boykin had 11. So what I'm looking at here is for the defense of Tech. Can they pinpoint one guy? Can they uh, have uh, Fairley or, or – that's, that's the name, right? Fairley, am I getting it right? <laughs> Yeah, K- yeah, Caleb yeah. Ferry. Okay, for some reason in my mind, I said his name wrong. I don't know. My mind's not going so well. Um, but <laughs> I'm old now, I think, 27. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if they can get in the back end, if they can try to make sure Boykin doesn't get those big-time plays, I mean, can Ricky Walker and the guys up front stop Williams? Because, I mean, overall, when you're looking at the, their stat lines last week, it just, I mean, this or excuse me, last night, they just didn't have, like, the, the plethora of receivers like Tech did. I mean, Tech had, like like I said before, they had four or five guys that had three or four or two or one. or seven. Like, I mean, Notre Dame has a lot of guys that, were, that caught the football, but they're all like one catch for six yards, one catch for negative right. three yards. Like, they, they didn't spread the ball around a lot. So, like, can Tech, and I'll ask you this, can Bud Foster basically, you know, scheme enough to pick your poison and say, all right, we're going to try to have seven guys deep and just rush four, or we're going to try to, uh, you know, rush seven and have hopefully our, our corners and uh, maybe a safety over top, whatever, stop Boykin. I mean, what do you think that Bud is going to focus more on, uh, or, or do you think he's just going to play regular tech defense and just be flying around to the ball? I mean, kind of like what they did against Francois and FSU. Well, here's what I can tell you, Saron, about Virginia Tech's defense. Right now, they're number four in the country at stopping the run. Uh-huh. They're giving up just 2. Uh, 2.65 yards per carry, 84 yards a game. They're tied with Iowa, number four in the country at stopping the run. They're number 123 in pass coverage. That's one of the worst teams in college football, That's not so a good number. Uh, no, and, and that and that has to do with with guys like uh, Caleb Farley, who who are who are very young, and and obviously he's coming in at a tough spot. You mentioned Adonis Alexander earlier in the segment, and, and they miss him and some other guys in the secondary. But so I, I would absolutely expect Notre Dame to try and attack them through the air. Uh, it, the, those numbers don't lie, and you know Notre Dame obviously has the ability with with their their talented offensive players to crack open those big plays against the Bud Foster defense it, it it's been done before and and with a young unit in the secondary it's it's not that surprising so the good news here Sarone is that you know I, I saw a tweet today about um, it was actually from Dave Teal of the Newport News Daily Press who I, I talked to on a pretty regular basis for our show and he basically said he was walking 
he was getting in the elevator to come down from the press box at Wall Wade Stadium last night at Duke, and he heard some Duke coaches who were obviously coming out of their own box and, and going down to the field. He heard them say they they were getting pressure on us with only three guys rushing. <laughs> so the Virginia Tech got pressure on Duke, and they did. They got pressure on the Blue Devils only rushing three guys, and, and that allows you to have more help in the secondary you, you, you're not giving up as many big plays. So I, I think that's probably what Bud is, is going to try and do. He's going to try and give his younger corners some help by rushing fewer guys. But that's the thing. The guys up front, they got to get a good push. You can't let Dexter Williams run for 161 yards like he did against Stanford. And that's another big thing is that I was just thinking about while you were talking is last year it was a completely different defense because you had the Edmonds brothers. And the Edmonds brothers, uh, Tremaine, I mean, he basically is like a Zach Brown, but bigger. <laughs> he has right. that speed, and he can run sideline to sideline. So overall, it wasn't as uh, schematic as Bud would maybe like because he had the luxury of having both the Edmonds brothers who could fly to the football no matter where it was on the, on the football field. So I think this year is his toughest test, and a lot of people uh, say when, you're, when your back is against the wall – you coach or you play or whatever it may be, your best. And that's the biggest thing, I think, uh, from what Bud is seeing. Obviously, you got the young uh, secondary uh, core, but just like you mentioned, if they're rushing three guys, four guys, whatever it may be, and you're dropping seven, six, eight guys, that's going to help you in the long run. And I think that Notre Dame has their work cut out for them to see what Bud might do because, I mean, it's always a chess match. And that's the thing about Bud Foster is, you know, what is he going to run? I mean, you, you remember back in the day they had Vince Hall and Xavier DB as the linebackers, and this that's a real big throwback because that was back when I was like a, a teenager, a low, early teenager, you know, and those guys were, were just monsters. So it's like you never know what you're going to do. Either it be a zone blitz or they're just going to have zone across the field. I mean, that's why I think uh, FSU earlier in the year was just, I mean, they were just in shambles. I mean, they're not playing great this year as it is, but they didn't know what the hell was going on. And that's the funny thing is that when you're looking at Tech's defense as a whole, you never know what's going to happen because either these guys are going to play out of their mind or you might have some type of blemish like they did against ODU where they overlooked the, the Monarchs. So I think overall it's going to be a tough test for Brian Kelly and Notre Dame as a whole basically because you never know what Bud Foster is going to run. That's exactly right. You know, he it, it, it's never going to be easy to go into Lane Stadium and, and beat Virginia Tech. I, at no point will it ever be a cakewalk. Uh, and, and again, I think it's going to be a new experience for him. It's the first time that Notre Dame's ever having visited Lane Stadium. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be able to go as a fan this time. I'm not going to go as a media member. So nice. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a, a great time. Notes with Noakes, our new segment here on the D.C. Crossover with Danny Noakes. Follow him on Twitter, at Danny Noakes. He's a co-host and producer for Fox Sports 910 in Richmond and also hosts a college football tailgate show on Saturday. So go check him out, at Danny Noakes on Twitter. Danny, man, appreciate it. It's a little, it went a little longer than I expected, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's good to actually you know, talk uh, more in depth with somebody more plugged in like yourself. Uh, then, then, you know, our DC crossover is more for casual fans and stuff like that. And I think you did a perfect job, especially with your experience, uh, letting everyone know a little bit more of what to look for when they're watching tech football games on Saturdays and whatever, uh, whatever other day they might be playing too, uh, especially with some of the primetime games that might come about. But at the same time, and I appreciate you coming on for our new segment, uh, Notes with Noakes, man. 
Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you, Sarone. It's great talking with you. I'm glad we got this sync back up, and, and we'll definitely do it again soon, man. Appreciate it. No doubt about it. Again, that's Danny Noakes on Twitter, at Danny Noakes. Check him out every single week here at DC Crossover. We're going to try to have this segment with him every single week, talking tech football, then later on tech basketball as well. Thanks, Danny. We'll talk to you next week, man. All right, man. Sounds good. See you. And that's Danny Noakes for you, hailing from Richmond, Virginia, Fox 910 for our new segment, Notes with Noakes. I am Mike Cerrone saying so long yet again for the DC crossover. Thank you to all our guests today, Dan Namfa, Ben Simpson from a boat or somewhere out in the deep blue sea. And also, again, Danny Noakes at Danny Noakes on Twitter if you want to follow him all the way down in Richmond talking Virginia Tech Hokies. Again, I'm Mike Cerrone. Follow us on all the social media outlets at the DC Crossover on Twitter, at DC Crossover Podcast on Facebook. And again, check out our website and all our great writers, dccrossover.com. Thank you guys again. Check back next week for two episodes, one on Sunday, and a reaction to the Monday Night Football game of the Redskins on Tuesday.